Powered by Magic, where we discuss topics surrounding magic and common or not so common questions. Let's take this journey together. Hi, I'm Tatiana. And I'm Sylvia. And we are coming to you from, I believe, we haven't changed our location. Not yet. Eugene, Eugene Oregon. Oregon. <laughs> we invite you to conjure up a broom and ride with us. Hey, how have you been these last couple of weeks? I've been doing pretty well. I had a little dark spot there, but yeah. I think I'm, I don't even remember what it was about. I did, I do know that one part of it was that, I don't know if I've mentioned this in a previous podcast or not. I don't think so, because I think this happened afterwards, but a friend of mine passed away. Yeah, you haven't mentioned that. Okay, yeah. My friend Ruth passed away. She was 97, pretty much. She passed away at home, very peacefully, from what I understand, as peaceful as that process can be. And it's just an end of an era, a time that will just be memories now. And she and I used to do knitting together, and I was knitting something the other day. And, mm. you know, made me think of her in a sweet light and just think about our times that we had together. Mm-hmm. That was one thing. Been doing a lot of house sitting. That keeps me very busy. Mm-hmm. My cats did okay with it, but they definitely were appreciative when I stopped house sitting, which was this week. Oh yeah, they missed her a lot. <laughs> We've actually locked them out of the room today. Don't know how long that's going to last, <laughs> but they tend to be too rambunctious when we come up. But they always know when we're recording and they come up and start getting in the middle of everything. Mm-hmm. We'll see if it works. I tried to give them some treats before I came in here. <laughs> ah, sneaky, sneaky. Yes. I think really, I don't have a lot that's been going on. So the only other thing is that yesterday I did something real exciting and mm-hmm. and I joined. It's something I've never done before, not to be political or anything, but I actually went to a rally. I was excited about that. It was very interesting. I'd never been to one either. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was interesting. You know, there was one person there who was against what we were standing up for. It was interesting to watch how the group interacted with that. Mm-hmm. Luckily, it was just one because I think I would have gotten a bit too antsy and uncomfortable in a crowd had it been more. Yeah. I don't know that I'm a great activist, but <laughs> I am wanting to try to be more involved mm-hmm. with important things. And yeah. my daughter is really an inspiration for that for me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Can you think of anything that's been going on for me? Uh. <laughs> No. Um, the only other thing I can think of is that you got some Ohms books. Oh, that's right. I did. I got a couple of Ohms books. I've been trying to figure out some details of things that I have learned, cross-reference that with history that is, you know, through reputable sources, because I'm finding that some things that we did in our Ohms episodes could be looked at differently. That's what I'm finding. I'm a little upset that I didn't find this information prior to that. Mm-hmm. But it would be hard to even go into just because you really have to be familiar with the ohms. It's very intricate. Apparently, just due to history itself, there really isn't anything to back up a certain part of it. There's just like this certain hole that people just have a different take on. And it just depends on who you want to listen to as to which is quote-unquote accurate and Mm. I don't think we can have accurate 
So I've decided that I'm going to be going along with what I was taught, that one version of the two different versions. Mm. And therefore, I feel okay with that because, again, there is foundation for the fact that it could be interchangeable. And then I got another own book that's very simplistic. I have to cross-reference all of that because everybody has different information. Mm -hmm. And I did the studying very in-depth. So I'm trying to pick and choose and find the commonalities that kind of go across the board because there's so much information out there. And so much of it really is, I'm going to say, a little off-base. There's some that I found a really off base. Mm. I don't want to say wrong because I wasn't there in the times that it existed, so I can't say that it's wrong. But when Ohms first came out and became really popular again, which was in the early 2000s, I think, when it started popping out, mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people had the right information, really. It wasn't really well researched from what I was finding back then. Ah, uh. Things are becoming a little more mm-hmm. regular across the board, it's easier to find consistency. Mm, that's good. Anyway, long that was the long end of, I got a couple books. <laughs> <laughs> but they are my passion, and it is something I'll be including in our business. I'm trying to really get in depth and know that I've got the right information to work with mm-hmm. and practice in, the, in a way that is authentic to the history. Yeah. What about you? How, how's it going with you? Well, I have work changed. That's right. Yeah, they told me I was going to train a person to replace me at the one place because I was working at two different places. Not two different jobs. It was for the same company. It was just two different places. They told me I was going to train a person for the one place, but they had to get a replacement for him where he came from. Well, they didn't tell me when he was coming, and so it was surprised one day he was there. Mm. So it was like, uh... Okay, all turned out all right. Neat guy. So I'm working at one place now, uh, Monday through Friday. Really nice. I'm glad I'm, I've got the weekends off now. I used to have to work Saturdays. Yeah. The other thing, I've been streaming on Twitch a lot lately. That's right, you have. Yeah, I've actually been doing tarot on Twitch. I did a little bit of gaming on one because I didn't have enough content. So I started streaming game. For the most part, it's been really good. The last thing was yesterday I bought runes plus a book. And then Tatiana is letting me borrow one of her books, which is also on runes. Very, very interesting, by the way. A thick book, too. Edred Thorson. Yep. He's very good. Also did your Ohm's book. Yes, that's right. He also did my Ohm's book. And he repetitively tells you that is not his Oh, what's the word? Oh, gosh. His wheelhouse? Specialty. You know, specialty? it's not his specialty. The runes are his specialty, and he's got several books out on that. Mm-hmm. But he did do thorough work on, on the ohms. I was, like I said, I trust that information quite well. Yeah. But yeah, you. so you've got that. Yeah, I got the runes. They, they look to be carved in bone, which I thought was, for some reason, very appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was what's been going on in my last couple of weeks. Actually, I'd forgotten... You got me into Discord. Yes. And I've been doing some readings in there, which has been a lot of fun. I also won a reading through doing their, uh, what is it, Tarot of the Month Challenge. Mm -hmm. I actually won something. I never win anything. I was excited about that. Yeah. I've yet to take up on that. 
I know that we do our giveaways in Facebook, but I've never actually won something, so I'm excited. I did one reading for one of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Thank you out there, listener. Thank you so much. <laughs> I got to do that via a video chat, mm-hmm. and that was my first video chat one that I did for somebody that I didn't know, that it wasn't really a, a practice per se. I mean, I guess it was a practice, but... Not I a practice know. on the tarot. It was a practice on the video call. Yeah. It was one of few that I've done. Mm-hmm. And I needed that a little bit. So anyway, that was a lot of fun. Just wanted to add in that you've gotten me onto Discord. Yeah. It's a little different than text, but it's a lot of fun, and I like Discord a lot. Yeah. I mean, the video chat, you can do different, you know, forums. It was fun to do it via Discord. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. I guess we Moving should start. On? Yes. How about we move on to Sylvia? All right. God goddess today. The goddess today is Asteria. She is the Greek goddess of astrology, prophetic dreams, falling stars, and dark magic. She is a beautiful woman seated with a laurel wreath above her and a lyre at her side. That was the only traditional picture of her I could find. She had her hair up and her hair was black and she was in the traditional Greek dress and all that stuff. But that was the only traditional picture of her I could find. Her duties is she presided over prophetic dreams. She is the daughter of Coas and Phoebe, I probably said that wrong, sister to Leto, consort of Persis, mother of Hecate, tying into that magic thing. Her story, one of the stories is, after the Titan Wars, Asteria was given a seat on Olympus. Unfortunately for her, her close proximity to Zeus and her beauty caught his eye. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) She wanted none of it, so she fled first turning herself into a quail, and Zeus turned himself into an eagle. She then dove into the sea, turning into a moving island. Some myths have her avoiding Poseidon's advances as well. Interesting facts. Leto, Asteria's sister, gave birth to Artemis and Apollo on her in her island form, as it was the only refuge that Leto could get on Earth from Hera. Symbols are dolphins, quail, falling stars, stars, and islands. Yeah. So superstition. Okay. Moving into itchy palms. If your right hand itches, it's said to mean that money is coming your way, and left hand means you will likely be losing money. The non-dominant hand is the inactive hand, meaning stagnancy, and the dominant, the active hand, equaling movement. It may pertain more to dominance of the hand rather than the left versus right, I don't know for sure, but that was kind of something I was getting out of that. Hmm. The right hand can refer to possibilities of money lost being found, the pricing of expensive items coming down. Playing games of chance might be more lucky. This is superstition, so make sure to make you know smart choices here. Mm-hmm. And of course, money could be coming your way. The left hand itching is a time to be logical, analytical, and responsible where money is concerned. Be sure that your bills are paid up. Maybe don't make big purchases at this time. And by all means, games of chance should be off the table. Make sure things are working in their right order like things around security, such as making sure you protect yourself and important things around you like your house and life insurance and job, etc. There also seems to be 
difference between gender and the form the luck takes. A feminine itchy left hand indicates luck, whereas a right hand indicates unlucky. It is reversed for the masculine. I couldn't find out the reasoning behind this part of the superstition. Here I found sources opposing each other as to how it really goes, female versus male. Interesting. Right, exactly. And I I did look. I found it in two different places, but no real explanation. So Hmm. I speculate if this portion of the belief didn't stem from some aspect of the woman being considered lesser than a man. Mm -hmm. And that's just me contemplating that. Mm -hmm. Now, what about both palms itching? If this were to be the case, it would indicate balance in affairs of luck and money. Comings and goings equal to each other. From all that I've gathered here, if I were to believe in superstition, I would go with what felt like it made the most sense, which is to say that I would ignore the male versus female aspect and philosophy, because obviously I don't understand it, and go with the most known and commonly talked about system of belief. The most common belief goes as I have written here. However, on that note, one variance can be found in the book Italian Folk Magic, Rue's Kitchen Witchery by Mary Grace Faroon. Her belief in the luck arriving would be through negative means, like stealing or such. Let's move on to a little bit of history. In Indian culture, it is believed that the goddess Lakshmi coming through your right hand indicates receiving and entering your body, but opposite is true to the left hand where she would be leaving your being. Lakshmi is the goddess of wealth, prosperity, power, and more. In India, it is also thought that the giving of money in using your right hand, it will return in some form back to us. As we will see later, much of palmistry stems from Indian culture, and itchy palms are a part of palmistry and fortune-telling. The Christians and their Bible state that the right hand is favored by God and is used for any action of giving within that religion. So, there you have it. Very interesting. I always knew about the itchy hand thing, but I didn't know the specifics. That's cool. Yeah, I thought so too. I didn't find as much history on it as I thought I would, but Mm -hmm. it is interesting that it came from India and that palmistry also comes from India and actually will tie into a later part of the podcast. Cool. How about you? What do you got for us today? History of astrology first, and then astrology after. (laughs) more astrology (laughs) people were looking to the sky since forever ago the oldest evidence of awareness of the stars and heavenly objects dates to around 32,000 BC Mm. it's been a long time lunar calendars would be carved onto small pieces of stone bone or antler all the better to carry them along with Because, you know, a lot of them were nomadic peoples and they needed something small and easily carryable to go with them. And durable. And durable, yes. It was, however, a long time before a major revolution happened. At least one that's been historically recorded. It was in the time of the Babylonians' first dynasty, 18th to 16th centuries BC, when people looked for omnia, or omens in the sky. Omnia were less fate and more warnings, as one could act before what the omen was foreshadowing came to pass. These were also read pretty exclusively for the king, his family, and the kingdom at large. So no personal stuff. 
The omens weren't written down together in any documents until somewhere around 1000 BC. Even though they, the Omnia, were written down, there wasn't really any agreement across documents, suggesting that each was specific to its owner. There were common groupings of omens, however. Four, in fact, named after the chief gods Sin, Shamash, Adad, and Ishtar. Sin was the moon and so had lunar happenings in its section. Shamash was the sun and dealt with solar omens. Adad, the god of weather, was associated with weather phenomena and earthquakes. Ishtar, who was represented by Venus, dealt with planetary happenings. Looking for omens lost popularity somewhere around the 4th century BC in Babylonia. Luckily, some of the omen reading made it to other lands, though, so it wasn't completely lost. Mm -hmm. Babylonian astrologers, if you can call them that yet, started using omens according to the planets in the 3rd century. I believe that's BC. How they were positioned relative to the horizon, latitudes, and positions at birth, or when they guessed one was born. This was still far from the astrology we know today, though. In Egypt, under the Ptolemies, a Greek dynasty, where the people who were under the impression that the Earth was the center of the universe, came up with the ecliptic being divided into twelve. The ecliptic is the apparent line the sun and planets run through the sky on. They also came up with houses and deacons. Houses are each ruled by a planet. Deacons are further divisions within signs. There was the places of high exaltation and places of low exaltation, places of high and low power for the planets. This was somewhere between 305 and 30 BC. They also came up with the correspondence between larger forces and smaller forces. As above, so below anyone? In the 2nd century AD, Claudius Ptolemy, an astrologer, even tried to make more accurate maps so that he could make better charts, star charts. He came up with the word geography. Oh. Yeah. So that's where that came from. Interesting. Right? The four elements were attributed to the signs of the zodiac as well. Aspects were done in this period too. The conjunction, opposition, quartile, trine, and sextile. Each of these aspects is found by looking at the degrees between planets in the chart. They also decided that the houses would be done by having the first house on the horizon, the second below that, and all the way around to the twelfth house being above the horizon. Using all of this, an astrologer cast a horoscope keeping in mind the place, latitude and longitude, and the time, placing all the planets in the chart as they were in the sky at that time and place then calculating the rest out. Somewhere in the 2nd and 3rd centuries AD, this system was brought to India. Indians added their own meanings and philosophies to their zodiac, as well as using their own system of elements. They also added complex systems, such as lunar mansions, planetary combinations, and other things. Nowadays, uh, it's known as Vedic astrology. Mm. I'm not real familiar with it, but Vedic astrology is, is Indian astrology. Astrology also became a part of Islamic society for several hundred years, between 8th century and 13th century, this is AD, or CE, when it declined in popularity among intellectuals. From there, it moved out to influence other cultures again in the Latin West, India, and Byzantium. 
Islamic scholars brought astrology forward, naming many stars that retain the names they were given in this time today. In Byzantium, astrology was popular during the 5th and 6th centuries, but a decline of intellectualism and opposition of the church killed astrology here until it came back in 800 or roundabout. Until 1200 AD, astrology would flourish here again. In the 13th century AD, astrology was included in the medical arts in Europe. By the 1500s, doctors across Europe were required to figure out the position of the moon before surgeries. That is interesting. Right? Unfortunately, only a little of astrology remained in Europe as the loss of Greek wisdom and the attacks by the church destroyed much of what had been known there. However, astrology, what was still left, was still found in a university education along with astronomy. During the Renaissance, court astrologers would not only use the known astrology, but incorporate new discoveries into their predictions. Unfortunately, at the end of the Renaissance, science was on the rise and astrology diminished. Kepler, a scientist that helped prove the sun was the center of the solar system, tried, but ultimately failed at making heliocentric astrology a thing. The discovery of a heliocentric solar system, along with physics at the time, the 1600s to the 1700s, destroyed scientific interest in astrology. Modern Day Astrology Today, astrology is most well known by one sun sign horoscopes, done in papers, magazines, and websites. As much as 90% of people in Western countries know their sun sign. The sun sign is only one part, however, of a complex system. The most important signs are the sun sign, your outward personality, moon sign, your emotional makeup, and your ascendant, which is your internal motivation. There are many resources to find those signs and more in books and websites, at which places you can get your birth chart calculated for free. I think you have to like sign up or something, give them your email, and then you can get a free star chart. That's true of most of them, yeah. Yeah. It only takes knowing your birth date, time of birth, and location to get the most accurate chart. You say only. I can't tell you how hard that is for so many people. Birth certificates do not say it in most states. Mm. And you have to actually pay to get a birth certificate or that information from county clerk's office or something. Mm -hmm. If it's not already written out. It uh, isn't necessarily easy. And that's a lot of the reason people don't know their rising sign. They only know their sun and their moon. Oh, okay. I guess I was lucky then. I was too. Here, for your convenience, we have signs, planets, and houses. We're going to be listing this all by sign. We start with Aries. Aries is associated with assertiveness and is the ruler of the Hurstfaust. The first house, self, ruled by Mars, which is passion. Taurus is associated with earthly pleasure, is the ruler of the second house, which is money, and is ruled by Venus, love. Gemini is associated with a communication, is the ruler of the third house, mind, and is ruled by Mercury, which is also communication. Which is why Mercury retrograde is such a thing, apparently. Yep. It messes with communication. Yep. That's always the time to really watch your words or not misinterpret somebody else's conversation to you. Mm-hmm. It's time where miscommunication is huge. Mm-hmm. Cancer is associated with sensitivity, is the ruler of the fourth house, home life, and is ruled by the moon, emotions. Leo is associated with courage, 
is the ruler of the fifth house, pastimes, hobbies, and such, and is ruled by the sun, ego. Okay, I'm a little offended. Oh? I'm a Leo. I'm sun. I don't want to be... Ego just sounds bad. Ego's not necessarily a bad thing. It helps you with everything. I do know that. It just <laughs> didn't sound... It doesn't sound good. Yeah. All right. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Virgo is associated with conscientiousness, is ruler of the sixth house, work, and is ruled by Mercury in this expression. Libra is associated with equality, rules the seventh house, companionship, and is in turn ruled by Venus, desire for harmony and peace. Scorpio, my sign, is associated with passion, rules the eighth house of transformation, and is ruled by Pluto, rebirth, and Mars, energy. Originally, Mars was the ruler, and Pluto, when it was discovered, was brought in as the new ruler of Scorpio. Sagittarius is associated with learning, ruler of the ninth house, exploration, and is ruled by Jupiter, expansion. Capricorn is associated with strength of character, rules the tenth house, social standing, and is ruled by Saturn, boundaries. That's my rising sign. Ah. And I'm proud of it. (laughs) Aquarius, yeah? Oh, I was just going to say another thing that I had heard about the rising sign that I was going to say it earlier, but didn't want to interrupt you, is that it's also what you are working on becoming as well. Ah, okay. It's also what you're working into. My rising sign is Libra. Ah. Balance. Aquarius is associated with independence, rules the 11th house of friends, and is ruled by Uranus, enlightenment, and Saturn, responsibility. Saturn was the original ruler. Uranus was the newer ruler. Pisces is associated with dreaminess, rules the 12th house, soul growth, and is ruled by Neptune, dreams, and Jupiter, possibility. Jupiter was the original ruler, and when Neptune was discovered, that was declared the ruler of Pisces. Just from this little blurb, you can see that a lot glows on. In your natal chart, the positions of the planets, what house they're in, and what sign, is only part of the equation. You also have how the planets relate to each other, called aspects. There's even more, but in the spirit of not going too far, I'll stop here. (laughs) Yeah, there's so much on astrology. Oh my goodness. Astrology, I love it, and I know some really, really basic things. Mm -hmm. Enough to get by with. But I have done my own chart. I mm-hmm. have done that, and I can read into it. And if I really, really put myself to it, I could do a chart for somebody else. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't do it justice enough to be like something that I would do for a business or anything. Yeah, it's so entailed in so many layers, and, and it's involved. And it's to me com- so complicated. I don't really follow it well enough to do it. I always admire people who can. Yeah. Now we're going to move on to my portion, which is palmistry. The history, palmistry, also known as palm reading, kairosophy, and chiromancy. This is when the lines and fluctuations in the palm are interpreted in order to tell the future. Those who read palms are known as hand readers, palm readers, and chirologists, and palmists. It's not known for sure where this began, but there is some speculation it started in India. The ancient Sanskrit writing He Samdruk Samdruk Shastra 
is one of the first connections between the hand and its palm as having association to the ability to predict the future. Palmistry has been seen dating back to the cave drawings and how it pertains to different parts of the physical body. These paintings can be seen in the Lascaux caves in France, many caves in Africa, and in the Santander caves in Spain. It eventually spread to China, Persia, Egypt, Tibet, Mesopotamia, and then in Greece where it really took hold and was further developed. It is speculated that over time the original forms of fortune telling stemmed from the Romas, also known as Gypsies, of India, and was spread in part by them along with tea leaf and tarot card readings. As you can imagine, the art must have changed through all of its travels and yet seems to have held on to the core concepts, which is true of many of the arts. Mm-hmm. Chiromancy was frequently used in medieval times to interpret the palms for signs of the devil during the witch hunt times. Any unusual pigmentation was seen as an indication of the presence of evil. The Christians saw palmistry as black magic, and those caught doing the readings were placed in jail or worse if they were deemed a witch, particularly under the watchful eye of King Henry VIII. Kairosophy did manage to make a comeback in a positive light during the Renaissance. Efforts were made to develop and explain the readings of palms in the 17th century, where the basic principles were popularized through giving rationalized foundations through science. Later, although it was being well distributed as a practice in Europe, it suffered setbacks in Britain when it was once again banned. After another ebb in the Age of Enlightenment, there was a revival during the 18th and 19th centuries through work done by Casimir de Pontinet, William Benham, and Sir Louis Hammond, also known as Cairo, from 1860 to 1936, who was credited for most of the preservation of palmistry. He's actually pretty well known. You can find information out there on him. Oh. But he, he was, uh, was a pseudonym. Mm. Yet another time of renewal came through with the followers of Carl Jung, also through Julius Speer, who published the first major work appearing in 1944, The Hands of Children, An Introduction to Psychochirology. Other scholars quickly followed in their own writings of, on this subject. Over the centuries, palmistry has gone in and out of being considered or included as part of scientific realms. Today, we see the importance of the hands and the roles they play in certain areas of science, such as psychological indicators and health indicators. But palmistry in its original or semi-original form still lives on through means of divination. Now, what is it? Simply put, palmistry is a means by which to read lines, mounts, and much more in order to predict the future and interpret personality types. Where to begin? I'll start with the broad overview of the hands. You have the earth hand, the air hand, the fire hand, and the water hand. Then you have the main lines, which everyone talks about. The life line, heart line, fate line, head line, and sun line. Now you also have mounts and planes. The mounts are the seven common planets of astrology. Sun, Moon, Mercury, Mars, Jupiter, Venus, and Saturn. Breaking it down, the types of hands. Earth hands are considered square in the palm area and have shorter fingers than other types. 
They are work hands that are fleshy and have strong grip. You'll notice it in the manner of a handshake, for example. They are grounded, solid, pragmatic, and might be associated with the tarot sign of pentacles. Oriented on matters of home, family, money, and such, if you think of it in those terms. They can be singularly focused like a mouse and less broad seeing like an eagle. This can cause problems in area of long-term planning. However, they are a bit like a Capricorn, as I see it, in their ability to be logical. Like Capricorn, they may seemingly be withdrawn or removed, when in actuality they aren't. They may just be more introverted thinkers. Air hands are also square-palmed but have long fingers. They are not fleshy, rather bony and thin, with pronounced knuckles and thin fingers. They might be associated with the suit of swords in the tarot and seen as intellectuals, analytical, and remind me of the sign of Aquarius in nature. Great at communication, good-natured, and maybe even good teachers, but difficult to pin down since they are easily distracted. These people are often popular and leaders. Fire hands have long palms and short fingers. Their mounts and lines are well pronounced. They would most likely be a part of the suit of wands in the tarot and associated with passion, a strong will, and spirited. They can be infectious with their charisma and driven by the intent of their desires. These might be the Aries of the zodiac, where their youthfulness can make them fun to be with on a good day, but they can be less than tactful or seem to lack empathy on a bad day. They are the fire that is virtually impossible to put out, and if you try, you might get burned. Water hands. They have long palms and long fingers. They might be good pianists, and the hand is usually soft to the touch and sometimes sweaty. They would be connected to the cups in the tarot, seen as intuitive, insightful, nurturing, loyal, and giving. They tend to lean on their emotions, which can create difficulties in seeing things clearly on the mundane levels. They can be reactionary and less level-headed, but a great friend to have in your corner. Pisces might be the water sign I would attribute to this hand type. They are able to see what most cannot in their instinctive nature can be great addition to any project. They are team players. Please understand that this is just my interpretation of what I've read and some of what I know mixed together. Make sure to do some more research on your own for more inclusive information. Now, to the mounts and planes. The fleshy portions of your hands are the mounts, such as the pads of your hands right below the fingers, to name a few. Planes are the areas that are sunken in between and around those sections. Mounts tend to be what you are and where your life is more balanced and even keeled, whereas planes are placed where you are less strong or aware of the goings-ons in your life, like blind spots or underdeveloped traits. Large mounts might be the exact opposite of the more sunken planes, overdeveloped, exaggerated, and imposing. The mounts relate to various planets, as mentioned above. So, I thought I might mention those. Jupiter equals confidence, capacity to guide, determination, connection to other realms, and the divine. Saturn, wisdom, accountability, constancy, morality, the understanding of the balances needed in life. Apollo, charismatic, optimistic, 
sunny disposition, high probability for success, artistic, mercury, versatile, witty, flexible, strong people skills, strategic mind, and discerning in nature. Luna is nurturing, esoteric connections, intuitive, insightful, and original. Venus, romantic, connected to all aspects of love, captivating, devoted, and empathetic. Mm, interesting. This is all great new stuff for me. I oh yeah. I don't really know a lot about palmistry at all, so mm-hmm. this is a bit more difficult for me to research. And I found a lot of very interesting, and that's probably why I kept it pretty simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's just so much of it. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the lines. Up until now, we've been getting a feel for the persona and character of an individual. In discussing the lines or creases and overlaps, we move on to the future telling portion. Here we must look at the nuances in the curvature, depth, and length of the lines and creases. Everything must be taken into consideration. How it goes over the mounts, intersects with different areas, where it lands in the planes, and how far they actually go. We'll start with the headline. Are you traditional or progressive? How do you approach life? This line pertains to our destiny, our inquisitive nature, and things we search for and follow. It is often found crossing through our planes and therefore can reveal what things we need to focus on learning. The length addresses the variety of matters a person will pursue. Breaks in the lines can reveal both positive and negative possibilities, mental difficulties, or breakthroughs. The heart line. This speaks to exactly what it sounds like, all matters of love, passion, sexuality, commitment, and friendships. It can reveal restlessness in these matters or sustainable happiness depending on where the line starts. Also, the depth of the line has an influence. It speaks to the duration and level of commitment in the partnership. If it is interrupted a lot, then it would indicate many relationships. Broken lines are indicative of severed connections, cheating, or more than one lover. The lifeline shows not so much how long you live, rather it's more about how you live your life. It shows how or what type of effect you have on others, how richly you live it. In a way, it shows your self-reliance and free will. The fate line, this line changes over time, so it's worth paying close attention to. It can also be called the destiny line. If there are significant changes occurring in your life, you may see that reflected in this line. This will speak to a person's private life or their work life. According to some palmists, itchy hands are a sign of upcoming change. Most often, this line is affected by external forces outside of one's control. So that's where the itchy palm comes in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The sun line. The line can vary a great deal in all of its aspects. This person can often be sought after in the public eye. They are likely to have strong impact on others and will likely be a prominent figure in society, all depending on its aspects such as strength, depth, and location. How it relates with the fate line, it will also reveal things like whether events not within their control will affect their future or whether independent matters separate from outside events will influence their legacy. This is greatly about how they interact with the public. 
Describing where the lines, mounts, planes all lay would be best visualized in a diagram, and I was unable to pr produce that here. We have some difficulty doing that in our um, yeah. form that we're using. However, there are many resources in books and on the web to see these attributes. Mm -hmm. From the stars to your hands, as above, so below. We've gone from the meat of our podcast to now it is towards the end, and it is time for tarot. Okay, tarot. Today I pulled the Four of Cups. Why so glum? We're in our homes, we have caring friends, and everything we need to have a happy life. And yet. Today seems to be about being grateful. Where is your focus? Are you wallowing in despair and concentrating too much on those things that you feel you're missing? Do you feel emotionally exhausted to the point of not seeing things clearly? Sometimes we can be hijacked by our emotions and not even realize when it's happening until we're suddenly lost in the mire. It can be hard to pull ourselves out of that muck. Today we offer you tools. Look to the stars to see what's going on because maybe things aren't working in your favor at this moment. The somewhat good thing is, is that you're not alone in this. Some may weather it better than others and those are the people who might be trying to help you. Lift up your head and take a look around at what and who your resources are. Also, just like the planets, we are in constant movement and each second is a moment of change. We have the tools and opportunities if we just bring ourselves out from under the waves of hopelessness. We have the ability to look for the positive if we try hard enough, and believe it or not, it's there waiting for you. Lovely. Yeah, a little dark. A little dark, but... but Hopeful. Yeah. Hopeful. Came around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Please rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you found us. As always, we would love your input. Please, please, please. <laughs> We're getting ready to do uh, our second season. season. That's right. This is our last one for season one, right? Yep. This is the last episode for season one. And then we're going to take a small break mm -hmm. and we'll be back. And during that time, we are going to just try and hound you in every medium we possibly can. <laughs> for we'll some be, input. We'll be stalking you. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'm Tatiana saying ta-ta for now. And I'm Sylvia saying so long and thank you for writing with us. And this has been Powered, Powered by, by Magic. Magic. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Have mm -hmm. a good day. Really appreciate you.